0: The chewing company and other factor. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. We come
1: this far. Praising for the things which He has won. Oh, we come this far by faith.
2: come this far by faith. We've come this far by faith in Jesus. He is our Lord and our Savior and our Master. We serve him. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee.
3: And I'm Alexandra Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel.
2: We're happy to be with you today. We have an awesome broadcast to share We pray it will encourage your heart. And at the end of the broadcast, we are going to give our time to pray for you. So let your heart be prepared. Expect something today from Jesus. The healing power of Jesus is here. We're going to pray for you. But first, let's go to the scriptures. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. This word, in the Hebrew for moved upon the face of the waters moved literally means to brood over like a hen over eggs. So the picture we have is that the earth is without form and void darkness is upon it. And the Holy spirit is brooding over that. And when God speaks The Holy Spirit moves with power to bring forth what God has ordered. The Holy Spirit is fully God, but the Godhead functions differently. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now we find another incident where the Holy Spirit comes. You want to jump in?
3: Yes. We see in Genesis, in chapter 1, that The Holy Spirit is God's creative power. He is not simply an experience or a feeling, but he is the full person and power of God who has the ability to create everything that we see out of a formless void. And what's exciting is that when God creates man... He gives him life by breathing into his nostrils. And so we see from the very beginning that there is this idea of God giving his own life or giving his own self into us to give us life. And we'll look more at how this emerges in the new covenant in just a moment.
2: But we look now in the book of Luke, the first chapter, in the sixth month, verse 26, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Verse 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed are thee among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation should this be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Do you want to talk about that?
3: Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Why don't you talk about it first?
2: Okay. We find in the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, The Holy Spirit brooding over like a hen. Now we find the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow, but do more than brood over. The Holy Spirit is going to enter into Mary and bring forth the birth of the Christ child.
3: Yes, and this is a wonderful image that we see over and over throughout the New Testament, this idea of God coming into us and, in a sense, conceiving life inside of us, and then we then, the scripture uses the word travail, we travail in birth until we give birth to, say, the converts, or to the kingdom of God, and so... There's very much this pregnancy, parenting, conception metaphor that we find throughout the New Testament. Paul said to the Galatians, my little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And we see in 1 John, it says whoever is born of God, in other words, God gives birth to us. It's a very maternal image. God actually is birthing us, and then once we are born of God, it says that his seed remains in us. So, God doesn't just give birth to us, but he then continues to remain in us, and it says because God is continuing to remain in us, his seed remains in us, therefore we cannot sin, because we are born of God. And you'll notice there that that's in the present tense. So it's not that we're trusting in some past experience of having been born again, but it's that we are continuing in the experience of being born again, that we have been born again. We continue in that experience. God continues to be in us. And so it's this very intimate, creative union between man and God that we see.
2: And it's that gift of being born from above That gives us entrance into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven now why did Jesus come well first John tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil what are the works of the devil every kind of darkness every kind of iniquity of wickedness Jesus came to annihilate sin upon the earth, to bring his kingdom fully upon the earth. Now, some of you may say, oh, but pastor, Jesus came to forgive me for my sins. Yes, he did. He came to forgive you for your sins. He came to heal your sickness. He came to restore his image in you. Jesus came, pardon me, that you could have life. But that's what the kingdom of heaven is all about. So he did not come first and primarily to forgive you for your sins. He came to establish his kingdom on the earth. And how was he going to establish that kingdom on the earth? Once more, he was going to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit at creation, Holy Spirit in the birthing of Jesus, and now Holy Spirit in the birthing and bringing forth and maturing of the kingdom of God. The gospel is that the kingdom of God is now amongst us. It is in us. We are brought into it by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me take a side note for a moment. In my background I have been taught to be very introspective I have been taught to search out what is the block between my heart and the heart of Jesus and I have spent a great deal of painful time in my life in that painful kind of introspection now what I've learned is that that introspection is not profitable for the coming of the kingdom of God. Because it usually devolves into condemnation, judgment. If I'm not receiving from God right now what I think I should be receiving, then it has to be my problem. It can't be God's problem. And so I need to do a lot of introspection and frankly, and I apologize for this, many times I have pressed you with questions that have led you to deep introspection. I'm not going to do that anymore. The focus of the gospel is not introspection. It's not even self-examination. That is a very minor note in the scriptures. A man is not entirely sanctified by spending weeks and months and years examining himself before God. How does it happen? It happens by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit as he comes upon us, and he will show us what he wants us to deal with, and he will give us the ability to repent and to allow the blood of Jesus to remove that from our hearts.
3: To put it in a little bit more simple terms, we are saved or we are sanctified or we receive the Holy Spirit by faith, by believing in Jesus. It's not by thinking about my own heart. It's just by believing and pressing God, waiting on God. We'll get more into that in a moment. But this is wonderful when we think about it and it's the whole tenor of scripture for example if you look at the book of hebrews the book of hebrews is written to a church that is going through horrible persecution they have many of them lost their property they are considering forsaking the fellowship they are considering forsaking the faith entirely and so what does the writer of hebrews do what does What is his or her approach? Does the writer say, examine yourselves and see if you really have what it takes to do this Christian walk? No, the writer of Hebrews first starts out by exalting the person of Jesus, showing that he is continually living to make intercession for us, pressing us on to have faith in him, to believe the promises of God for our sure salvation. And then it moves into saying, Look at all these witnesses, look at all these witnesses of those who have gone before you. Think about Abraham, think about Noah, think about the harlot who hid the spies from Israel. Think of all these men and women who have gone before you who have persevered in the faith. Think about the people who have lived in animal skins in caves. Think about the women who had their dead raised back to life by the power of God. Then it moves into Well, yes, you're going through persecution, but this is temporal. You have an eternal reward in heaven. You are children of God. God loves you. Endure this persecution as a way that God is using to make you holy and ready for heaven. So it's a continued exhortation. It's always continually pushing the believer to look to Jesus in very practical terms consider the sufferings that christ went through you haven't yet endured to the shedding of your blood and the fight against sin well jesus did so look at what jesus has gone through and then our affliction seems kind of light in comparison to it so that gives us courage and faith to continue on now we're not going through a time of intense persecution right now in the united states but this holds true for any kind of promise of God that we're trying to apprehend. Our focus needs to be on God, on his promises, on how we can trust him because we have a sure record that everything he's ever said has been true and he has accomplished what he said he would do. He designed that he would send his son to, to make a holy and righteous people before him. And that's what he did in sending his son Jesus. And then he sent the Holy Spirit so that we could further have no doubt that this was the Son of God as he cast out demons, as he raised the dead back to life, as he healed, it says, all manner of sickness and disease. God has given us the highest confidence we could possibly have in Jesus as our Savior, even raising him from the dead and giving him a life that is eternal to never die again.
2: So the real question is, what am I going to do with Jesus? He does not condemn me. He does not judge me. Jesus comes offering his hand and says, come and follow me. Come and stand by faith to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no record in the upper room of the disciples spending day after day in intense, painful self-discovery. That simply didn't happen. There were things that had to be dealt with. They were dealt with quickly and up front. Jesus dealt with Peter in such an amazing way when they had breakfast by the by the Sea of Galilee when they were out fishing he he gave them a great gift of fish of finances and he said Peter do you love me more than these and I think he was talking about do you love me more than these fish he could have been saying do you love me more than these disciples but I don't think Jesus would set that kind of question up that's not like him but he would ask the question Do you love me more than these fish? Then feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Do what's necessary to take care of the church. So his focus was not, Peter, you've been a wretched man. Have you suffered enough yet with your sin that you will now repent? Are you kidding me? He'd already repented. No, the question was, now, Peter, are you ready to get out of yourself? Are you ready to walk clean with me? Are you ready, Peter, to feed my sheep, and to to work in the kingdom of God?
3: And incidentally, this is very similar to Peter's conversion. You'll recall that he was on the ship with Jesus. Yes. Jesus brought in a miraculous catch of fish so much that James and John had to come help with their ship, and the ships started to sink. And Peter's response was to fall down and say, depart from me, for I am a sinner, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus's response is, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. You will be a fisher of men. So th- I love it because Peter's converted and at the same exact moment, he's g- he is given the commission to become a soul winner. And Jesus doesn't say at that point, you know, come watch me for a little while and see how I do it. But he says, from now on, you will be doing it.
2: But see, he also did not say to Peter, I agree with you, Peter. You are a wretched sinner. Now, let's itemize the ways you are a wretched sinner. He didn't do that. Instead, he gave him the charge, you will become now a fisher of men.
3: Yes, so when Jesus sees that we have truly repented, he doesn't make us stay in a Christian penalty box for a while, or he doesn't let us stew in our sins for some certain amount of time. But no, he immediately, he says, feed my lambs. You will be a fisher of men. He immediately turns around and gets us directed towards others and to building his kingdom.
2: And so in Luke, the 11th chapter we find this incredible story. Uh, Luke 11, verse 5, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, Lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. For he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Isn't it interesting? It does not say, Ask, and I'm going to Uncover all of your wickedness and judge you. No, it's ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you, for every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give? him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If then, being evil, you know how to give good gifts unto his children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now Jesus understood that they were still evil. But his approach to it was to say, look, I know about you, but I also know that the Holy Spirit will be given if you'll just ask. Because the Holy Spirit comes and teaches us about Jesus and changes everything in our heart. Now we're waiting and we're praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're determined we're going to walk with Jesus. Do you know where my phone is? I want to read something. A friend sent me a text this morning. I'd like to read it to you. To me, it was piercing to my heart. And it was helpful. This is a quote from Pastor David Wilkerson from two different sermons. He put them together in one quote. Let me read it for you. If a man is walking completely and fully in the will of God, he will have no fear. There will be no angst. He will be comfortable in poverty or prosperity, in sickness or in health. He will go anywhere God tells him to go. He will make no compromise with darkness. He will not be able to sin. He will, in fact, hate sin. He will only resist the devil. Because he fears the Lord, he is given wisdom. Now, another quote I want to share with you from this same person. But this is a man by the name of Wigglesworth, who was a powerful man of God in years gone by. He wrote, If you are a businessman, you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. For any business, you need to know the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you are not baptized with the Holy Spirit, Satan has a tremendous power to interfere with the progress of your life. If you come into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is a whole new realm for your business. Now, We're not saying what kind of business. We're saying every kind of business. The business of the kingdom of God. The business of setting up and building this incredible kingdom of heaven. Let's go to one more scripture. If we go to John, the 16th chapter. John the 16th chapter Jesus said and this is shocking to me I shared it yesterday but I want to share it again it's shocking to me Jesus is speaking in chapter 16 of the gospel of John verse 7 nevertheless I tell you the truth it is expedient for you that I go away for if I go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if I depart, I will send him unto you. It's shocking to me because if you would just ask me cold up front, would you rather have the Holy Spirit or would you rather be able to sit down and talk and pray with Jesus? I'd say without a doubt, I'd rather see Jesus. But see, Jesus is about building his kingdom. And he knows that if he is only in one place physically at a time, He will limit the building of the kingdom of heaven. He knows there is a great deal more needed among his people in terms of teaching and comfort and direction. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, If I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. He does that through you. Through me when we are filled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit.
3: Yes, the same idea Jesus said in John 1416 through seventeen, He says, "And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you so again what we see here jesus is promising to send the holy spirit to not just be with us but to be in us and when he is in us as we just shared out of john 16 when the holy spirit is in us he through us reproves or convinces the world of sin in other words when we look at the sin that we see in the world around us whether it's sin with your children sin with your co-workers sin with your parents sin in our politicians our local government how is that sin to be reproved it is to be reproved by us as the holy spirit is in us So the Holy Spirit doesn't reprove sin kind of outside of us mystically without us doing anything. He comes and he lives in us and then we speak, we act, we take a stand for righteousness. We say the kingdom of God is here. Jesus came to destroy sin. The power of God is here now to free you from every bondage, to heal you, to restore you. Whatever abuse you've suffered whatever catastrophic losses you've gone through in your life, whatever ailments you have, Jesus came to heal us and save us completely.
2: If you look then at John chapter 14, beginning in verse 20, At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And then verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you so the picture we have is that jesus comes with the father and actually dwells in us by means of the holy spirit
3: yes and jesus prayed this for us in john 17 he prays to the father and says and the glory which thou gavest me i have given them that is his disciples that they may be one even as we are one In other words, that even as Jesus and the Father are one, that we may be one. Verse 23, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. So Jesus is praying that he would be in us. The Father's in Jesus, and Jesus in us is in us, and so we are one with God.
2: Now, I've not yet received this full baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now I have to make a decision. In order to receive that full baptism of the Holy Spirit, do I have to go into a time of intense self-examination? Or do I simply stand by faith for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to come and do his work in my heart and my life. In other words, do I believe that it is my job to prepare my heart for the coming of the Holy Spirit, or do I believe that it's the Holy Spirit's job to prepare my heart for his coming? And I'm going to come down solidly on the side that says it is the Holy Spirit's job to prepare our hearts for his coming in he must do the renovation work now some time ago i'm saying weeks ago the holy spirit spoke or jesus spoke it was dropped into my spirit as clear as a bell and it said the voice said let the holy spirit make a new man of you ray well yes and so my constant prayer every day upon awakening is "O holy spirit i give you permission to do whatever renovation is necessary in my soul in my life and i will be totally completely obedient to your commands but would you come and would you prepare my heart for your indwelling I as a person have a history of going the self-examination route the self-condemnation route the discouragement route the depressed route everything is bad I'm scared what am I going to do I can't make it happen I can't Jesus can
3: now let's be clear we're not talking about things that you know that you're doing wrong no If in your conscious conscience you know there's things you're doing wrong then that is something that you need to deal with.
2: And Jesus says deal with it by amputation. Just cut it off.
3: So simply God requires us to repent of all sin to give up our self ambition our self will our ownership of our life. Give ourselves to Jesus. But then after we've repented, after we've given ourselves to Jesus, we're not to scrounge around looking for something that the Holy Spirit missed when he gave us a new birth. That's kind of insulting if you think about it. Because we're to trust God's work in us. Now, as I said, if you are consciously aware that there is something wrong, that's one thing. But if you have no conscious awareness if you know you've been cleansed from your sin, you know you've been made into a new person, then Jesus said, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. So we're just to move forward in faith, in believing and say, okay, Lord, I do believe in you. And you said that I would do the same works that you do. So I'm going to come and keep asking you for that. I want to do the works that you did. I want to be able to have the lost saved. I want the sick to be healed. I want those who are suffering to be relieved.
2: I want your kingdom to be built. Yes. Some of you have asked, where does the National Prayer Chapel meet? What are we doing now? Well, what we're doing now is an upper room. We're standing by faith and we're praying for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to come. And very frankly, if you think you're ready to not be in a normal place of church but instead to be in a place where we cry out to God the whole service is a prayer meeting and it's serious prayer if you're ready for that and you want that then call us and we'll talk and determine with you if that's really where you're at and what you really want so you're welcome to call 703 481-489- I'm sorry, 489-1785. I'm glad you're keeping me straight. Give them the number again.
3: 703-489-1785. We won't answer right now, but call us after 2 p.m.
2: Now, we're going to take time to pray. We're going to pray for you. So let's begin. Almighty God, I come to pray for those who are listening today to this broadcast. There are some listening, Lord, who have left all sin and who are rejoicing in you. They love you with all of their heart, but they have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking right now for those who have the faith to stretch forth their hand, even as I'm stretching forth my hand toward them. And I ask that you would grant them at this moment the full baptism of Pentecost power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking this because you promised this, and you are a covenant keeping god you said you were more willing to give the holy spirit to him who asks than we are as parents to give food unto our children so i'm asking that across this congregation listening right now you would move with power to baptize in the presence and power the purity of the holy spirit I'm also asking, Lord, if by your grace, if a person desires the baptism of the Holy Spirit and has not received it, would you prepare their hearts to receive it? Lord, I stand by faith that you are the one who does the work. It is not by our works. It is by faith in the blood of Jesus and I stand by faith today for my baptism in the Holy Spirit and in power and purity. Lord, I'm not going to walk in discouragement or despair or fear. I am going to walk in absolute obedience to your call. You said to me, Wait upon the Lord. So, Lord, I have come and I am waiting upon you for that baptism with absolute confidence that you will fulfill. The cry of my heart and I know that there are those listening who are also waiting with me with Alexandra for that baptism of your Holy Spirit Lord we are grateful for the touches you've given us we're grateful for those experiences where you have drawn very close But now we're asking you to come and dwell fully in us. Granting the power to do the work of building the kingdom of heaven. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Now we come also, Lord, to pray for those men and women who are still caught in their sin. They've been taught they can never leave their sin. They've been taught that your blood does not have the power to release them and set the captive free. But you were very clear that you came to set the captive free. You didn't come to babysit someone in prison. You came to blow the prison doors off and bring them out in glory. So, Lord, I'm coming today to pray for those precious ones who are still walking in darkness, but there is stirring in their heart a desire to come to you, Jesus.
3: Lord Jesus, I also pray for those listening who are sick. Lord, I know there are some who have gone around the gambit with the doctors and they've never been able to be healed and have only gotten into a a vicious cycle of surgeries and medications and they're just living as a stitched together person who can't even have a normal life. And, Lord, I know there are others who have said, I'm not going to go to the doctors. I belong to Jesus. He created me, and either he heals me or he takes me home. Lord, I ask that those listening today, that those listening to this message now, Lord, that those who have faith to be healed, Lord, that they would be healed now by your mighty power.
2: In the name of Jesus.
3: Lord, thank you.
2: In the name of Jesus. And Lord there are some today who have been abused who have walked in such sorrow and such brokenness. There are some who've walked in such poverty of both finances and spirit who don't know how they're going to survive tomorrow. Lord you don't break a bruised reed you see the sorrow and the sickness you see the abuse the sexual abuse the emotional abuse lord would you come very close right now to that one who has been sexually abused and feels utterly worthless and unclean Lord would you come with healing for that person right now would you touch them by your spirit and wash them by your blood may they be like the woman with the issuance of blood reaching out to take a hold of your garment and saying I would be healed I would be in Jesus. Lord, would you cause a decision to be made right now? I want Jesus. And I lay down everything in my life except my love and desire to be free and healed in Jesus Christ. Lord, you came to seek and save the lost. You don't throw us away. No matter what our sin has been, you don't throw us away. You wash us and cleanse us and heal us and restore us. You build us up. Lord, there are some today who are so desperately lonely. It feels like they've lost everyone in their life. Lord, would you be family to them and would you bring them into the fellowship of a church where they can be family with the people of God? Lord, I know what it's like to be lonely. I don't think there's a lonelier position to be in than to be a pastor where everyone is asking for something But very few are willing to give anything. Lord, I pray for those who have given and given and given until they have nothing left to give. They're empty. Lord, would you come today and fill them up? Would you come today and encourage them? Would you come today and lift them up? Lord, thank you. Lord, we bless your holy name. You are the only one who can come with healing in your wings. You're the only one who can rebuke the devourer and set your people free. Lord, let any man or any woman who is living in condemnation, feeling worthless, feeling hopeless. Lord, would you turn their hearts now toward you and toward heaven. And would you let the light and the glory of your presence break out about them and in them. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. we've come this far by faith and we're going to finish this journey by faith not by fear not by self works we're gonna finish by faith we're gonna be baptized in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit with purity and power by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ We're going to be prepared for that baptism by the power of the Holy Spirit. He will make in us his own accommodation. You cannot make of yourself what is necessary for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Don't get bogged down in all of the intertwined ideas. Put your faith in the man, Jesus Christ. Look to him today. If you're utterly depressed and discouraged, stop looking at yourself and look to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can and who wants to deliver you. He is the only one who cares enough to want to deliver you.
3: Jesus came for the very purpose of freeing us and of giving us joy and liberty and love to serve him in his kingdom. And if you feel that there's been a work begun in your heart today, I ask that you would cherish that seed and take the time now to go and get to Jesus. We both can testify that we have been freed from our sin from various horrible addictions. Not just us, but those there are those listeners to this broadcast who have given us news that they were delivered from alcoholism, from heroin, from other drug use, with no withdrawal, with no rehab. They simply were delivered by the power of Jesus, and we praise God for that. So it's not a question of, does Jesus want to do this for me or not? Jesus does want to do it for you. That's why he came. So get to Jesus and you have the encouragement that he will answer. Don't give up. Don't give up until you're free.
2: And until you're standing whole in Jesus. Almighty God there are those today who are addicted to pot or other drugs, alcohol, tobacco. Lord, one man I spoke with today is hacking and coughing, but he pulls a cigarette out. I spoke with him about it and he kind of walked away. And I said, you don't want to talk about this, do you? No, I don't. I said, well, I hear you, but you have to talk about it because you're going to die if you don't. And I want you in my life. I don't want you to die. So I'm going to continue talking to you about Jesus and about his setting you free. Okay. Lord, I pray for that man right now. And I pray for every person listening to this broadcast who is addicted to some kind of drug. Lord, whether that drug is entertainment, television, whether that drug is pharmaceutical. Lord, whatever the drug is, would you deliver right now in the name of Jesus, that one who is lifting up his hands and saying, please, Lord, deliver me. Please, Lord, deliver me. Lord, we thank you for answering our prayers today. We praise and worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In your mighty name and by your blood, Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Well, that's about it for today's broadcast. We'd like to hear from you. If today you have been delivered, let us know. If you've been healed, let us know. You can write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195.
3: Also visit our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. You can listen to this broadcast again, as well as past messages. We have blog posts. There's lots of wonderful things on the webpage. And you can also follow us on YouTube, on Facebook, or on Twitter at National Prayer Chapel.
2: You can also donate online by going to NationalPrayerChapel.com. I want to thank those of you who have done so. One precious woman who just sent a large sum of money regularly witnesses for Jesus. She is actively involved in building the kingdom of God. We're very grateful to her. God bless you today. We look forward to hearing from you. It's lonely doing this radio broadcast without being able to see your faces. We'd love to meet you, but we would like to hear from you. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. We'll talk to you soon.